to do something the next couple weeks. I, I, had a, I had planned on doing something completely different, and then the uh, season uh, decided to uh, do some other things here. Uh, do we have enough of these? Okay, good. All right, I see them back there, so we're good. And uh, I, I, we've been talking about government. We've been talking about uh, how the government operates, what they're about. We then looked at the issue about government and war. And I want to move and still kind of talk about the government, but really uh, how we're to be thinking about things that are going on today. I'll do this this week, next week, and the next. And then uh, I think it's Bible conference time. So we'll try to kind of do some things here um, and, and so forth. And this, this past week, I, I don't know if many of you know who Barna is. They're a big Christian research group out of California. And uh, they begin to ask people about the issues that are going on in, 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 the, uh, in the arena uh, of politics and government and everything. And they begin to they ask pastors some questions. Uh, regardless of whether pastors are talking about political issues, their people certainly are, and, uh, and much more so than in the past. Barna Research conducted earlier this year, so engagement in following or discussing politics since the 2016 election has risen among both practicing Christians, 48% of Christians who attend church at least monthly, and say their faith is important to them, and the general population, 41% of all adults. While two in five say their involvement has, st has stayed the same, 44% practicing Christians 45 versus 45% of adults, neither group has much decrease in political engagement, 9% versus 14%. Unchurched adults, I love that unchurched word, those who have not attended church within the past six months report the least amount of movement over the past four years, with one-third, 35%, noting an increase in engagement, 12% claiming a decrease, and half, 53%, saying their engagement has stayed the same. The data shows that the majority of practicing Christians, 58%, and church adults, 64%, those who attend church within the last six months, say their church leaders speak at least occasionally on these topics. However, a plurality of each say their ministers never broach these issues. But regardless of whether or not their pastors address the political issues from the pulpit, American, do Americans want to hear from their church leaders on the issues? And uh, they say 46% of Christians, 40% of church adults say... Yes, they want to hear. And then they, then they got a whole bunch of other things. There's a whole list here. I'm not going to read it because you've got a long list of stuff we're going to look at. My point is, is politics and stuff that's going on is important. So I got to thinking about it. I read this. Uh, they, they have uh, an interesting thing in here about Gen Zs and millennials and uh, the influences and everything. It's very fascinating how they go about doing their research but what I begin to do is I begin to think about, you got 2 Corinthians, did I tell you chapter 1? I know you probably went to 11, but let's go back to chapter 1. And I got to thinking about this, and honestly, this last uh, couple months has been the most I think I've taught on politics and, and government and what's going on. And, and it's really, I said then, my job's not to tell you how to vote. 
My job is to show you what the scripture says about it. The scripture says that we should be praying for our leaders, that we would lead a quiet and peaceable life. That's the issue, okay? When you look at the candidates, I, uh, I had an email with a great link in it from a, the, from a Catholic priest and stuff. He did a wonderful job on uh, the candidates uh, and so forth and, and the, the pros and the cons. And I, I thought about doing something like that, you know, or, you know. And then I got to thinking, no, what does the Word of God say? My job as your pastor is to do verse 24, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 24. That's ultimately my job. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. The last couple of weeks when I was talking to you about war and the government, there is a, come on over to chapter 11 now, there is a pending doom of a possible civil war coming in this country. Some would say it's already started. It started in 2014, 2015 with the election of a new president. And it's been a speaking war. It hasn't been anything physical or violent yet as of until this last summer. Okay? And so there's a great thing that if one party wins, then the other party is going to revolt and vice versa and all this stuff. Okay? And you know what? I look at that and I go, well, then let's see how should we be thinking about this. And how do we think about it? And again, my job is to be a helper of your joy. For by faith ye stand. So what I'd like to do the next couple weeks is give you just some help, some information. You're going to have to decide for yourself. I said it last hour. We, we have a great debate. Uh, come over. Come, hold on to 2 Corinthians. Come back to Leviticus 13. Yeah, Leviticus 13. And people talk about mask and wearing masks. People talk about BLM. Do you know that in Scripture, the idea of BLM, Inc., is, an, is, is anti-scriptural because of Galatians chapter number 3 and verse 28? You ought to think about it. Galatians 3, 28, we'll get there in just a second. I know some of you are... But look at Leviticus 13, and look at verse 45. Just something here about, talk, you know, people talk about mask and everything. Should I or shouldn't I? By the way, I hope you know that you can have science on both sides of this argument that, are, that is legitimate. Some say you should wear masks. Some say you shouldn't. It's legitimate. It, there's no arguing about it. But what does the Word of God say about it? Because as Bible believers, shouldn't we do what the Word of God says? Well, look at verse 45. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. Now, there's a guy with leprosy, but where's the plague? It's in him. When he cries, the, the, the COVID is air-driven, air, air but it's air-driven on, on something. It's, always, it's interesting, in all of the science that I've seen and looked at, and I've, seen it, I've looked at a lot of it, is that the particles that make up the virus sit on your saliva, on your, it's aerosol. It isn't flying by itself, it's attached to something. What's the Word of God say? When you cry out, when you speak, when you sing, see I just spoke and it just spewed, so nobody's in the front row. You need an umbrella down here. What, what, do you, what does the Word of God say the guy's supposed to do? Mask up. Isn't that interesting? Now, you can agree or disagree with the science, but I'm going to tell you what, the Word of God says mask up in this case right here. But what about you and I today? 
See, because that's Israel, that's leprosy. That, well, I'll give you an idea on how to think about that. I said that about BLM. Come over to Galatians chapter 3. You guys, I, I'm, I'm telling you what, you got to get out of the po 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 political stuff. You got to turn the TV off, turn Google off. Facebook, all that mess off, because what happens is, is the stuff we're going to talk about this morning, it, in, it, in, it infects your thinking. And I'm talking about us here, okay? Galatians 3, look at verse 28. Today in the age of grace, how does God look at people? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. You see how you ought to be looking at people? Jew and Greek, that's, that's a racial, national division. Bond or free, that's economic division. Yeah, think about some of this before you go, well, I'm, you know. No, <laughs> you got to pay attention to it. Now go back to 2 Corinthians 11, I get off the step, off the, the soapbox. My point is, is what I want to do with you is I want to walk down for you and I how we ought to be thinking about these things. Not just knee-jerk reactions, but have a, have a thought process of a sound mind. How are we to, uh, to evaluate the things that are going on in life? And, and I want to start here with really there's going to be three things that we're going to look at. Today, this, this issue in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, Next, and, and, and then tie in with the issues of right division. And then the next weekend, we're going to look at Romans 14. Do you know what you do today about the mask? You do Romans 14. That's what you do. Because somebody's going to, somebody, a believer, is going to say, I'm wearing my mask. You're going to say, I don't want to wear my mask. But how do you treat each other? That's the issue. But again, when you say, when you have a verse like Leviticus 13, you know what that does for me? Is it says, I can't say wearing or not wearing is the way to go. What I can say is, let's go Romans 14's route. So we're going to look at Romans 14. We'll spend a whole Sunday going through Romans 14. So, you, so guess what you should, might go read? Romans 14, okay? Uh, all right? But see, the thing is, is you have to understand how to think down through this. Because the Word of God comes along and it answers every issue that we see. Now, verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, uh, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your, what? Minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. What is Paul worried about the Corinthians happening to him? What's his concern? Is that their minds would be what? Corrupted. And move corrupted, but from what? This is simplicity here that's in Christ. And I think, for me, I did this for you as well. When this stuff all started earlier this year... I sat back for myself and said, calm down, let's go simple here. Because simplicity is the answer. When the world's raging, when things are up and down and we really don't know what to do, you know what we know what to do? Don't do anything. Come back to the Word of God. And our, our minds go with the world, I'll just tell you. Come on over to Psalms 19. 
We tend to fall into the trap because of social media, because of Facebook, because of all of, or whatever, news, the radio. I mean, you listen to the guys on the radio and they're harping. You you put up on the TV, they're harping. And you know what your mind does? Just goes boom. How do you bring it down? Simplicity. You see, folks, we have to be, we have to learn and understand how to calm our thinking. And come back to the simplicity that's in Christ. That word simplicity, singleness, not complex, not unmixed, I'm sorry, being unmixed, free from corruption. That's the idea. Simplicity, simple. I go out, I have a 58 Chevy that's sitting in the driveway, and I work on it. And you know what? It is simple. It's amazingly how simple that that motor is, how simple the car is. It is not complex. I pop the hood on um, Linda's car, and I go, oh, why bother, and put it back down, because it's complex. See, God has engineered this stuff to be simple. Now, I'll tell you what, the simple to the world looks like foolish. 2 Corinthians 1, or 1 Corinthians 1, okay? So when you think about this, we're not thinking about what does the world look at us, but what are we doing internally in here? Psalms uh, Psalms 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the what? The simple. Look at what the word of God does for you. What does it do for you? It makes you wise. It converts your soul. It makes you perfect. It's sure. So when we come and we think about this, we have to come to the Word of God. Some of you guys have shared videos and stuff with me, and I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. I don't always respond to it. But you know what? That's just flapping in the wind. What's the Word of God say about it? Because there's where the wisdom is. There's where the understanding comes from. There's where the, well... Where the knowledge sits. So when a question comes up, come on over to Psalms 119. Why don't we go to the Word of God? Why don't we look at what God's instructions are? Psalms 119 and verse 130. Psalms 119, you ought to spend some time reading this psalm. Because it is, every verse is about the Word of God and its impact on your life. Its impact on Israel's life, that's who it's written to, but it also impacts your life. Psalms 119, verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth what? Light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You see, when you come along and you take that, the Word of God, You know what you begin to do? You begin to put it into your inner man, and then when life blows up, you know what it says? It says, calm down. Here's how we're going to handle this. Here's how we're going to think down through this. Come on over, Proverbs 14. We get the Old Testament out of the way, and we'll go over and do something here in a minute. Proverbs 14 and verse 15. It's, It's fascinating to me that every time life blows up in Scripture, the Word of God comes along and puts it down and says, let's get back to some simple simplicity thinking. 14.15, Proverbs 14, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his goal. What does the simple do? Believes the word. You're going to look at it, and you're going to 
believe it. Come on over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. It is going to work in you. Philippians 2 and verse 13. Now, I'm going a little quick because you got that long list and you don't think I can get done by noon. Well, 12.15. Okay? But the thing is, is I'm hopefully I'm just reminding you of this. And if you haven't thought about it this way, I would hope, I would encourage you to think about Because you can take this and apply it to anything. Not just COVID-19, not just what's going on that you see happening in the world around you, but in everyday dealings in your thinking, how to think down through some things about what's going on today. Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God which worketh on you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Where does he work? In you. So you know what that tells me? When I take in the word of God, what's it going to do? It's going to work inside of me. It's going to work. Ephesians 3 verse 16 there, the spirit strengtheneth the inner man by his power, by his might. So as I take in the word of God, come on over to Romans 15. As I take in the word of God and as I begin to think on it, have it become resident in my soul, in my inner man, in my thinking, it's going to then begin to work. The Holy Spirit, Ephesians 3.16, He's going to take that word and it's going to begin to work in my life. It's going to come up off the page and it's going to become real to me. Not, not so that I don't do something, but so that I can understand how to handle things that are going on. Let me ask you something. Is COVID-19 deadly? Yes, it is. Okay? Is it something that you should be concerned with? Yes, it is. But you can do that with a level thinking process and a level mind and not give in to the hysteria of the politics of it. I told you back at the beginning of the season, summer, how quickly it amazes to me how quickly people have fallen for the politicians. That included the scientists. They're politicians. They've got something to gain <laughs> if you dig deep enough. They fell for it when you step back and you say, hey, what does the word of God say? And then how can I, for myself in my life, for us here as a local assembly, make some decisions about things that are going to lead to a quiet and peaceable life? Romans 15 and verse number 13, a great verse stuck on here. Paul sticks in here, now the God of hope fill you. Isn't that amazing, the God of hope? Folks, do you have hope? When I talked to Margaret about Sherry's passing, she was great hope Sherry had because she was absent from the body, sin, a, a stricken, sick, stricken body. The last time she was here, she could barely breathe and was promoted into the presence of, of her dear Savior. What great hope. And he's the God of hope. He isn't the God of doom and gloom. He's the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace. Wouldn't it be nice to have joy and peace all the time? You know you can? In what? In believing. That ye may abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Boy, third, verse 13 is wonderful. You can have peace and joy in everything. Can, could you imagine that? 
I got to pay the SRP bill. Woohoo! Joy and happiness. Woohoo! You can. You can. Yeah, if you have money. Yeah. You can have joy in that. Why? Because hey, if you didn't have that, look at the alternative. <laughs> I've had that. You know. First time I, when I moved here back in the old days, I had a vehicle with no air conditioning. And I quickly understood what the neighbor said about doing 80, uh, doing 280. That's 80 miles down the freeway with two windows rolled down. You know, I understood quickly what that meant. And you know what? The, that little truck went up for sale quickly, and I got, went over and got a car with AC. It didn't run very well, but it had AC. <laughs> you know? Why? You, you, begin, you become thankful. Hope. Now go back to 2 Corinthians 11, because there's something in this that we have to catch where he says about the simplicity and what Satan did with Eve. Because there's a thing here that the, Ephesians 2 calls it the course of this world. That Satan has set into operation back in Genesis 3. And this course, this movement, Titus, or to Timothy he calls it doctrines of devils. And there's this, this course. You, you think about going to school and you take a course. You're educated. But then you think about a course on a racetrack, and the race, and it does this and back and forth. And it's this course that this world sits on and runs on, and Satan uses it to derail you and I. He knows, folks, are you sealed with the Spirit? Are you complete in Christ? Are you blessed with all spiritual blessings? Will you ever lose that? Satan knows that, by the way. He's not trying to get you to lose something. He's trying to get you to quit relying on what you've got. Resting on it. Looking at it and saying, that's mine. Joy and peace and believing. Man, I got this. This is mine. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Word working in me and the Spirit working, activating it. That little energizer bunny is going and this is great. And, you know, bring it on. And what happens is Satan goes, yeah, let's see how he does with this little four by six. Let's see what happens with this happens. Let's see the reaction. And he's not doing it himself. Don't get me wrong. He's a created being. He's not omnipresent. But the course, that satanic policy of evil is flowing. And the design is to get you out of, number one, the word of God. Again. Corrupt us from the simplicity that's in Christ. Look at verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve. How did he beguile Eve through his subtlety? How did he get Eve? Well, look at verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth, what? Another Jesus. Whom we have not preached. Okay. Think about what this, the, the he there is this guy that's been following Paul wreaking havoc. He starts in chapter 10, he goes through chapter 11. Paul talks about him in the book of Galatians. And he, this guy comes in and you know what he preaches? Another Jesus. Now watch Paul, whom we have not preached. Think about this. Who did Jesus, do we preach Christ? Yes, but according to the revelation of the mystery. Is there another Jesus in your Bible? Yes. The earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is this guy doing? 
He's putting up a, he's using scripture, that old saying, scriptural but not dispensational. He's putting up a competing information, causing people to do what? Pick and choose. Keep reading verse 4. Or if ye receive another spirit whom ye have not received. Well, did you receive a spirit? I always look that it's an interesting verse part of that verse to me. Received. He starts by preaching another Jesus. Now you're going to receive the spirit. Is there a little thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 where some people received the Holy Ghost? And they began to be able to speak in tongues and do things. Do you and I receive the Spirit? Yeah, we're sealed with Him. Right? He dwells in us. But we don't speak in tongues, do we? You guys okay? All right. Ball game ain't over. You can get the highlights anyway. You see, there's something going on here where this guy, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted. Is there another gospel in Scripture? There's a, several of them, by the way. Just not, but there is. There's a competing gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. You see what's happening here? As Satan beguiled Eve, think, go back there to Genesis chapter 3. You don't do, do it now. And you think about what Satan did to, to Eve. God said, let's make man in our image. When he made, in chapter 2, when he made God, Genesis 2, when he made Adam and Eve in his image, were they perfect? Yeah. Were they the very image of God? Yes. And you know what he did with Eve? He says, yea, hath God said. Does God really mean what he says to you? And he got Eve to take his eye, her eye and Adam's eye off of who they were in Christ and put them on something else. Follow that. And he didn't do it with some big shenanigan. He just asked questions. He just said, he didn't really say that. You've got to read between the lines when you talk to God. Because he's usually got something else going on. If you come and join me, I'll give you the full picture, baby. You'll have it all. And you know what she said? I think you're right. I'll join you. And thus mankind, Adam, the rest of us, and you know the rest of the story. The point is, is what did Eve, or what did Satan do to Eve? He got her to leave, and her thinking, who she was, in Christ. He came along. He asked specific questions to get her to doubt the word of God. And that's the first attack. The first thing about the simplicity in Christ is that, you know what, we have to believe the testimony of the word of God. And that testimony is about what, who you and I are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Folks, you know these. I, I was writing these all down. I, I mean, I got a list here. Actually, you got, most, you got most of my list. And I'm sitting here going, but, we ought to, but you know what happens? In the turmoil of the moment, 
You know what you begin to forget? This stuff. Because you know what happens? That old flesh raises up and says, you're not going to tell me what to do. And the Word of God says, don't forget me. How dare you march on my rights? They're my rights. You know, you, you get that little flesh action goes. And the Word of God comes along and says, hey, wait a minute. By the way, what you think is your rights ain't your rights, man. You got Ephesians 1? Look at verse 13. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and the pray, unto the praise of his glory. At the point of salvation, what happened to you? You were sealed. You got a thing on your thing there, C-R-I-B-S, cribs. First thing he does to you is he comes along and he circumcises. You go over to Colossians 2. You take the paper and go study it out. And you know what he does? He cuts you away from that flesh in a circumcision made without hands, the verse says. He takes you and he sets your inner man free from that bind, the bounds and the bondage of that old flesh. Sets you free. Romans 6 is you. Just cuts you loose. You choose to be in bondage to that guy. That old man, he sets you free. He comes in and regenerates you. Titus 3 is the big verse. You go to Ephesians 2 and he says he's made you alive. He goes into that dead spirit of yours and makes you alive, regenerates you, brings you to life so that you can be, be usable by God. He sets you free from the old sin nature. Then he comes along and he says, all right, I'm going to make you usable. Then he indwells you. Oh, you, you got to read this verse. Check this bad boy out. 1 Corinthians 6. I tell you what, folks, you start straying away from the word of God, it's going to reach up and smack you back into Tuesday. Because what's happening is, look at 1 Corinthians 6. He then indwells you. He takes up permanent residence in you. Ephesians chapter 4, he says there's one Lord, one Father, and he talks about the, the Godhead, and they indwell you. Ephesians, or 1 Corinthians 6 verse 1, uh, verse 19. What? Oh, what a question. What? The shock here by Paul dealing with the Corinthians and the issues of fornication and the issue of their bad living style, lifestyle. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? No, don't you know that there is a direct correlation between you and your body and the temple that God gave Moses over there in the old? There's a direct boom, the boom, the boom. In it, and you know what it's designed to do in Israel's day was to live for a place for God to dwell in the midst of Israel. And you know where he dwells today? In you. It's my body. I can do what I want with it. It ain't your body. Look at the next verse. For ye are bought with the price. It cost the Savior his life. It's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. No. It's not. As a believer, as a member of the church, the body of Christ, you have to have an understanding about what's going on, what's real. You're bought with a price. 
Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Boy, he indwells you. And you know what? He's living in you. That'll, that'll slow down some of the places you attend and go to. When you realize that when you walk into wherever you go, you're taking him with you. You think nobody sees you, but he knows it. He indwells you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, he baptizes you. The mechanics of being placed into the church, the body of Christ, is not water baptism, it's a spiritual baptism. And then here, in Ephes- go back to Ephesians 1. He seals you. He permanently. No getting out of him. You're in. Follow what's going on? Folks, we, the first thing you got to do is believe who you are in Christ. Believe the testimony of the word of God to you. We're going to have a discussion that's going to come in our country about mandatory vaccinations. It's coming. You might as well deal with it. It doesn't matter who the president is. It's coming. You're going to have to figure that out. You're going to have to answer that for yourself. God loves freedom. He loves free will. He loves volition. And you know what he loves? Accountability and responsibility. You want to make some decisions that are going to be between you and God, you and your family. It's coming, folks. You might say, oh, no, no, it's, it's going to be here. It's going to be here quicker than you think. And you're going to have to make some decisions on it. Well, this vaccination does this and that. It doesn't matter. It's coming. By the way, I'll tell you how I know it. They tried it with the flu shot on the school levels. Mandatory flu shots. You've got to have them. If you want to be employed here. And if you say no, guess what? You're done. You're terminated. It's in your contract. I'm like, it ain't in the one I signed. <laughs> Show me. Because it wasn't. It was something they were trying to do through a memorandum. And if they'd have pushed it, there'd have been some schools empty of people teachers and so forth, bus drivers specifically. They tried it. That's at a very local level, by the way. It's coming. You know what you need to remember? You need to remember Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord. Blessed be. Speak happy, man. Let's be happy. Joy and pe- joy and peace in believing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. You come over there to Colossians. By the way, you take the rest of that chapter and you, you begin to read Colossians chapter 2. You begin to read about those spiritual blessings. Colossians chapter 2. You see, by the way, the thing on the vaccination, let me ask you something. They get it to you and you die. Where are you going? Hello? Thank you. You're going to heaven. If you don't take it and you get the COVID, the corona, my corona, okay, and you die, what's going to happen to you? Think, stuff, folks, this is not brain surgery. It is not. For you and I as believers who understand the word of God rightly divided, this is not brain surgery. Now, again, you make the decision for you. Okay? 
But this is not something where you got to sit there and dissect out A, B, C and go to... Uh, no. Calmly, remember the simplicity that's in Christ. Colossians 2, verse 9. For in, it, for in him, that's Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's a wonderful verse, not only about being complete, but where am I complete at? In the one that is the king of the kings and lord of lords. The one that's the only potentate, Paul says. The one that sits up there where all of the principality and power rest and resides. Not down in here in some, some second-hand lieutenant. I'm in the big guy. He's where I'm complete. That's great comfort. Come on over to, you're in Colossians. Flip back to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, But of him are ye in Christ, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and Redemption. Folks, we have this new identity. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he talks about this new cre- this newness of life and new. You have a new way to think about life. And when you begin to use your understanding and you begin to think about the simplicity that's in Christ, Philippians 1:21 becomes a, a, a lifestyle. Philippians 1:21. Helps if I get there. For to me. For Paul, to Paul, in Paul's estimation, in Paul's life, in your life, this should be the cry. For to me, to live is who? It's Christ. And, notice it doesn't say but. It says and, to die is gain. Paul's estimation was that he is becoming my life. Chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's to become our mindset, our thinking. Chapter 3 and verse number 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He has become my goal. I want to know him and I want to know him deeper and deeper. And Paul sits here after years of service and you know what he says? It's not I but Christ and I just want to know him. And you know what? Paul didn't live as a luxurious life that you live. He suffered stuff you and I would never be able to imagine. And you know what he says? For to me, to live. Have Christ be my life. Come over to chapter 4. My life, my mindset, my thinking, my goal, my what I'm pressing towards. In chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He's to be my strength. Colossians chapter 2. He's to be where everything is. Verse number 3, Colossians 2, verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom? In Christ. In the Godhead, in his word, is hid what? All of it. Boy, what a, what a thing to grip your mind. 
to grip your thinking, to grip your mindset about what's going on in life. So the first thing under the simplicity of Christ is here's what the testimony of the word says about you. Come back to 2 Corinthians 11. And you know what it says about you? He says the same thing he said to Eve, you are perfect in me. And Satan says, yeah, I'll get you off of that. So let's pay attention to the instructions that the word of God is going to say about who we are. Folks, we live in this world. We are not of this world. We have to live in it. That's where we are. And I'll tell you what, I praise the Lord that I live in the United States of America and not some other country. Because if I'd lived in another country, I'm doing my dead level's best to get into this country. Legally or illegally, by the way. Why? Because of freedom and liberty. That brings us in then to verse 4 there. The second issue there is the issue of being scriptural but not dispensational. The issue of understanding the word rightly divided, not going after another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel, but rather coming in and being who I am because of the understanding of dispensational Bible study. You follow me? Now, the biggest one, come on over to Revelation 13 that has come up in the recent months, has been this issue about the mark of the beast. Okay? You with me? Now, I'm using this as an illustration. You got Revelation 13? Um, Get Revelation 1. Chapter 1 first. Then we're going to go to 13. Chapter 1, verse number 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto a servant, John, who bear record of the word of the God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So the book of the Revelation is a book of what? Prophecy. Are we in the mystery or are we in the prophecy programs? We're in the mystery program, right? The age of grace. Revelation 13. So if we're in the age of grace, we're not in the book. By the way, the book of Revelation is written to who? Israel in the tribulation, understanding what's happening with the Antichrist and the 70th week of Daniel and prophecy. You with me? Okay. Revelation 13, verse 15. 13, 15. There's, a, there's another, verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. He exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Again, a lot of going on there. The fault, this is the false prophet. This is the religious side of the work of the Antichrist, satan, the satanic policy, and so forth. That's what he's doing here. Because they're in the worship, the first beat. Worship, religion. Verse 13, And he doth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. 
and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. What did he do? He did lying wonders, 2 Thessalonians 2 calls it. What is men doing here? They're walking by what? Sight. How are, you, how are we to walk? By faith. How's Israel to walk? By faith. They're doing all these wonderful, miraculous things. And you know what people are doing? They're falling in line. Verse 16. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and or in their foreheads. Notice it's a mark. Okay? When you study the mark out, it ends up being like a leper spot. All right? Just take that in there. You can work it out. The modern-day manifestation of this is in the Roman Catholic Church when they take Ash Wednesday. And they've got ash. And you know where the ash is marked? On their foreheads and on their hands. Okay? But it's a what? It's a mark. You know, you see it. It's visible. It's out there. And he that no man, uh, in their right hand or in their foreheads. By the way, you ever wonder why it says right hand? Why not the left hand? In business, how do you usually seal the deal? With the handshake. And it's always with the right hand. So when you shook hands, you know what you had? The mark on your hand. He had the mark on there. And you knew it was legit. It's a seal. It's a done deal. Yeah, think about this, folks. We do a lot of things that I don't think we think about, but today, what do you do? We, we fist pump, elbow shake, booty toot, you know, whatever. That was on TikTok. You didn't see that one. Okay. This is going to control something, isn't it? Verse 6, 17. And that no man might buy or sell save he had the mark or the number of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him that understandeth, I'm sorry, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and the number is 603 score and 6. 666. Okay? You know what people are saying? COVID is what? The mark of the beast. The mask are the mark of the beast. You can't go into a store without the mask on. But it's what? It's the mark of the beast. You know why? Because what, if you don't have the mark, what can you not do? Buy or sell, right? Now let me ask you again. We're believers, right? Are we in prophecy or mystery? Where's Revelation sitting? Prophecy. It ain't talking about you and I, is it? Watch chapter 14. 14.9, 14, Revelation 14, verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the, of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke. Do you think that's a good thing, taking the mark of the beast? But let me ask you, if you are a believer today and you wear a mask or you go get the vaccination, that's the mark of the beast. 
what is your eternal security? What does your eternity look like? How about secure? Right? Where are you? You're in Christ. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're never losing that guy. These guys take something in prophecy and they lose it all. Do you see how unintelligent it is to run to Revelation to say, we got to do this? When if you take the goofy thing, guess what's going to happen? You're going to face the wrath of God. 16.2. Gets better, by the way. Not really. 16.2. The first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Uh Uh-oh, they got sick. They got a soresome, a grievous and noisome sore. Ooh. Well, Well, if you take, if you go get the vaccination or if you do whatever you do and you get sick, Oh, no, God's getting me because I took the mark of the beast. You chuckle, but that's how some of you think. Don't you know Revelation 16 says that? And I sit there and I go, what are you talking about? You're a member of the church, the body of Christ. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings. You're sealed until the day of redemption. You aren't in any of that. Your security is in in who you are in Christ. Don't use Scripture to justify something you want to do. Just go do it. Proper thinking. By the way, come over to chapter 20. Chapter 20. Chapter 20 and verse number 4. I saw a throne. I saw thrones and they sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them which were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither having received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And off you go. You see, chapter 15 and verse number 2 I know we skipped 15, but you looked at verse 2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark. See, there's victory and doing it God's way. And you know what God says? Today, right here, 2020, you are in the age of grace. You're in the dispensation of grace. Stay out of that stuff in prophecy. It doesn't talk to you. It's All it's designed to do when you hear people talk about it is drag you away from who you are in Christ. It's to corrupt your minds from the simplicity that you're in Christ. If you choose to take the vaccination, if you choose to wear a mask, if you choose to go run down the street with nothing on but socks, that's your decision. And if you're in Christ, God loved you, He died for you, and you are secure. We might be a little mentally off, you're running down the street in socks, but you're secure. I was thinking about Ray Stevens and the streaker. Sorry. Okay? See, folks, you got to pay attention to what you're reading. Who wrote it? To whom is he talking to? Because your Christian life 
will not operate on the basis of ignorance. And if you're over there claiming Israel's program, you're in the wrong part of the book. And all you're going to do is cause heartache to you and to those around you. There's a simplicity that we have in Christ that needs to be maintained. And you maintain it by the Word of God and by being scriptural and being dispensational. You are to, Romans 12, verse 2, be renewing your mind. You are to come along in Colossians 3, where he says there, you're to be renewed in the knowledge of Him. Come on over to 2 Corinthians 5. You see, folks, you're to come along, Ephesians 4, and be, and re, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Turn Twitter off. Turn social media off. Turn it off for two minutes and read three chapters a day and get your mind renewed. Because what happens then when you, well, but then, Rick, I don't know what needs to be going on. But you will know what needs to be going on. Because what's this world designed to do? Move you away from the simplicity that's in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5. A tremendous passage here. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. There's what you know what to do right there. Yeah, but Rick, then I won't know what's happening in the world about you. Yeah, you do right there. What are you doing? Ministry of reconciliation. He'll have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You go out there, turn the TV off, turn the radio off, turn the computer, unplug, as they say, and you start talking to people about there's lost souls going to hell, you'll real quickly know what this world's thinking about. You don't need the news media to tell you that. The book tells you that. We got a job to do, folks. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, and Christ said, be you reconciled to God. In those three verses right there is have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Why isn't God burning down America? Some of the people, I was reading some nonsense about the fires in Colorado, and God's burning down Colorado because of their heathenness. What? He should have been burning the whole thing down. That's stupidity. You know why he's burning over there? A fire got started and they can't put it out. Duh. You see, folks, when you start thinking about who you are in Christ and paying attention to what's going on in your life and how you think about it and how you process it down, you know what begins to happen? You quickly begin to remove from the world. Now, I'm not talking about not knowing what's going on. Paul didn't. I, I still, man, Paul, I get a kick out of Paul. He sits over there. They're beating on him. And he says, hey, don't you know I'm a Roman soldier? We talked about this. A Roman citizen. That Roman soldier, he's like, what did you just say? Puts it down. 
unshackles him, cuts him loose, drags him in front of the centurion, and the centurion says, well, this is over my pay grade, and up the ladder they go. They get in front of Festus and Agrippa, and he looks out and he goes, I want to see the big guy. Take me to Caesar. You know how he knows that? He understands the nation he lives in. He understands the importance of it and what's going on. But you know what he never lost sight of? His ambassadorship. Last verse and we'll be done. And I, I don't mean to be yelling at you, but I mean to yell at you. I love it. If, it's been brewing up. Ephesians 6. Paul goes down through the, the armor of God and the protection there. And then in verse 19, he says, And for me, that, uh, well, let's see, try verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all pre uh, perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in bonds, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul wasn't sitting over there, oh, let's just hope nobody sees us over here in the corner, leaves us alone. Paul's out there preaching and proclaiming the word. Because what he knew, it would impact the citizens of where he was at, the cities, but it would impact the nation. I told you last week, not anything about war and how you want to stop it. It's get that sound doctrine into the communities that we live in and where we are operating in because in that community impacts the state and the state it will impact the nation. And I'll be honest with you folks, sometimes we lose sight of that because we get all worried about this little thing over here when our job's a little bit bigger. So how should you be thinking about today? This is, by the way, this is part one. <laughs> How do you think about it? I would hope that you would see that you need to be thinking about it as a simplicity that's in Christ. Go back. Refresh your memory, your mind. Renew your mind about who you are in Christ. Renew your thinking about the issues of dispensationalism and where you're at. And when you read verses or you hear somebody spewing about stuff, you just check them and then you go, turn them off. Unplugged. You come in and you say, hey, this is what's real. The worst thing that can happen is for you to lose what's real in your life. You'll never lose him. But you can lose the sanity of your, think, of your mind. Next week we're going to look at 2 Timothy 1. And he, gave, he says he gave us, didn't give us a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of what? Sound mind. Sound, healthy mind. I'll be honest with you folks, this stuff is, oh, it's so exciting to come to understand, to come to look at. Understand our relationship with the government. Understand our relationship with ourselves. Understand our relationship with each other in the local assembly. But that simplicity, this stuff is so simple, we make it so complicated, it doesn't need to be. It just needs to believe the testimony. Over there in John, he says, you believe the testimony of men? The testimony of God is greater. Let's believe that. Okay?
All right, so we got through. It's 12.15. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word, Lord. I just pray for the folks here that they would take to heart the passages, to look at them, to study them, to work them out in their own thinking. As you say in Romans, to be fully persuaded in our own mind. Let the word grip their hearts. Let the word be what makes their decisions and helps influence their decisions that they make in life not just with what's going on today, but in every day, all the details. Because we do it in whatever we do in word or deed, we're doing it for your glory. And the best way to shine you is to have your life be living in us and through us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll come. We'll stand.